Greetings and welcome to Confronting Racism, a lead essay initiative where we seek to unpack the racism debate in South Africa through a series of podcasts over the next few weeks. We will, together with a number of guests, look at digging deeper into the issue of racism in our country with the aim of uh, addressing both the history we have lived and how we can move forward as a collective. 2016, as we know, kicked off with a racism storm following the statements made by Penny Sparrow and has since then spiraled into other cases of racism, leading to numerous discussions and debates we've had both on 702 and Cape Talk. Based on these views expressed, the topics explored each week in Confronting Racism will include but not limited to defining racism, dissecting colonialism and apartheid, the psychology of apartheid, privilege, the land question, the economy and its impact on the race debate, the media's contribution to the narrative of South Africa's history and future, and also how can we as South Africans move forward. In our first episode, we kick off the series by looking at answering the question, what is racism? Key to note with this is that we are not approaching this topic or series with a judgmental or predetermined outcome. Our intention is to walk this journey together and hopefully come out on the other side being in a stronger position to take South Africa forward. Minka Stadler is Head of Media and Public Affairs and Researcher at the South African Institute for Race Relations. Stadler holds an honors degree in psychology, a master's in journalism and certificates in human rights law and practice, as well as multilateral governments and international affairs from the London School of Economics and the Geneva Graduate Institute of International Affairs. Also joining us is K.M. Ahmed, Doctoral Fellow in International and Comparative Education at Columbia University in New York. Uh, he has, amongst other positions, served as Chief Executive Officer of the South African Human Rights Commission from 2010 to 2015. He also holds various degrees, including a Master's of Arts and a Master of Law. Uh, Minka Stadler and uh, K.M. Ahmed, welcome to Confronting Racism, and thank you for making time to take this journey with us. Racism is part, uh, partly described as prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism directed against someone of a different race based on the belief that one's own race is superior. Is this a, an accurate definition of racism or are there nuances to it? We believe that is an accurate definition of, of racism. Uh, of course, it's in the last six weeks or so, we've also realized that it's quite a philosophical topic and uh, can be discussed at great length. Um, you know, what is the difference between prejudice and racism, for example, and what makes a comment racist and you know, what makes what's the difference between a prejudice comment and a racist comment and so forth. But we would say that is a very accurate uh, definition of racism. It's especially seeing oneself as superior to another person uh, based on race. Without the support of political or economic power, prejudice would not be able to manifest as a pervasive cultural, institutional or social uh, phenomenon. Does that nuance come into defining racism? Absolutely. I think racism must be contextualized in terms of both economic, historical, uh, social and cultural elements that um, complement this idea of racism. And secondly, I think it's also imperative to contextualize the, the race debate and to recognize that we are not alone, um, that South Africans must recognize that racism is something that happens in other parts of the world, including the United States. It seems as if when, when looking at racism broadly internationally, the slave trade comes in and uh, and um, apartheid South Africa comes in. In, in, uh, in other forms or where else around the world have we seen racism prevail and if at all it still exists? So you have these examples across the world where racism has manifested 
um, and has taken on different form. And given the additional resources, I think South Africa has progressed significantly. It doesn't mean that we have uh, reached our goals and targets yet. I think we still have a long way to go to be able to give effect to the values enshrined in our constitution. What, what role did racism play in South Africa or how did it manifest within the South African context? One can say 350, 400 years ago, uh, there were already um, uh, indications that uh, people were being judged according to their race in the settlements around, you know, down in the Cape and so forth. And um, so the, we're, we're, we're not talking only 40 years or let's say 40 plus another 22 years or so. We're actually talking hundreds of years of of institutionalized, of people um, growing up, of generations thinking differently about people who are different to themselves. But South Africa obviously is particularly special because of our special history. Part of the, uh, the the debate that has come up also in the past six weeks is the fact that while we've got your penny sparrow, which is very much overt, where there's more impact is the covert racism um, that exists. Uh, what is the difference between the two? This form of racism is also referred to as uh, microaggressions. And it's quite a huge debate here in the United States where uh, many folks are arguing that microaggressions are actually uh, have placed overt racism. So overt racism is the kind of racism where you can clearly see this manifesting, the, the Penny Sparrow uh, instance, for example. Covert racism takes the form of these microaggressions, and it can be anything from uh, referring in a derogative way to an individual, uh, but paying some sort of compliment, saying something like, your English is uh, really good, or you speak really good English, which is a covert way of suggesting that as a black person, I don't expect this sort of level of English from you. Either don't realize that they're doing this or they do this subconsciously. And I think this is what creates a lot of tension and ongoing tension within communities in South Africa. On a psychological level, um, Minka, how difficult is it to, to have somebody admit to or acknowledge that which lies within them? It's very, very difficult to get that changed. And we believe that it does come down to individual responsibility, stopping yourself, uh, you know, when you have that thought or, or talk and also education. I really think if more and more and more people are doing this, we could slowly but surely root out this covert racism as well. Have you dealt with and how did you deal with uh, the more uh, covert racism? Usually we have to uh, call together both parties who are involved in a particular matter, and usually two parties, uh, one who is the perpetrator of an act of racism, the other who is uh, the victim. Often they are individuals who either are completely unaware of the fact that they are acting in a racist way, uh, or you have the other extreme where people deliberately behave in a way that manifests racist attitudes. The difficulty, of course, is, as Minka correctly pointed out, it's very, very awkward and and raises difficult issues around confronting these individuals, but it's absolutely essential that we speak out and begin to engage with these difficult issues. The view held by some, and we'll start with the fact that white people are inherently racist, but also the other statement which we'll get to of, uh, and the question around, and the debate around whether or not black people can be racist. Let's start with the first one. White people are inherently racist. I mean, let's unpack that statement. Is it accurate? It's quite unfair to say that all white people are uh, uh, racist, for example. We at the Institute for Race Relations would say xenophobia is also a form of racism, and then it would be really unfair to say all black people perpetuate uh, xenophobia 
homophobia, for example. It's a learned prejudice or a learned behavior. And uh, that means that some people would have been brought up, hopefully, in much more open-minded and a much more egalitarian manner than others. And that's not necessarily down to your race. That's down to your, uh, your, your, your home life or the way that you were brought up mm. rather than your race. I hope that makes sense. We can't separate the, the political and economic issues um, and the, the, the prejudice uh, within the def- definition of racism. Which brings us to the question then, based on that, can black people be racist? One fascinating case that I was personally involved in um, related to a young black man uh, called uh, Zama Kumalo, 23 years old at the time that I met him. And I remember sitting around the table uh, with Zama who had posted a comment on Facebook um, suggesting that the death of white people needed to be celebrated. And he wanted to arrange what he called a big black bride to celebrate their deaths um, at the Westin Dam just outside of Johannesburg. What transpired subsequently during our discussion is that Zama had gone to the Westin Dam. He came across a memorial which listed the names of white Afrikaans-sounding people. And Zama associated this uh, memorial with his collection and recollection of apartheid. Hmm. And he went back home. He was very upset and angry about um, the level of racism in South Africa and posted something on Facebook listing the names of some of these people. What Zama failed to recognize was that the individuals whose names were listed on that memorial happened to be children whose bus Mm. crashed into the Westin Dam several years before. And when I asked Zama what was he thinking at the time, he actually said to me that whenever I see a white person, I see someone who has taken away an opportunity uh, from me. And so white South Africans need to recognize the fact that there is this power, uh, both economic and social, that is inherent in any interaction uh, with someone who has been disempowered. Um, The other manifestation of this is how black South Africans who have been uh, victims of racism are generally reluctant to speak out about their experiences. And we've seen this uh, in a number of situations uh, while I was at the commission uh, of black parents in schools in the free state uh, who decided not to speak out in white teachers uh, perpetrated acts of racism against their children. And there is a sense of disempowerment that is deeply entrenched uh, within our society, uh, which continues to speak to this power dynamic and relationship between white and black. And of course, all of those in between, uh, the white and black dynamic that we sometimes forget to mm. uh, include in the sort of conversation as well. Um, is there a meeting point, uh, Minka, where somebody is able to acknowledge somebody's lived experience as part of this journey that we're walking. You, one can argue, you know, how, what, what does a 23-year-old know? But it's a generational lived experience mm. that needs to be addressed. And that's why I see it as extremely positive, the discussions around white privilege in particular, because it's, it's also trying to make white people understand, look, no one said you didn't work hard for what you have, but you have to acknowledge your economic 
power, your your economic advantage that your generations before you, uh, well, you know, some people will say, oh, but I'm young, I had nothing to do with apartheid. Well, you kind of did because your grandparents, your great-grandparents all benefited from it, so you do too. You have to acknowledge it and you have to become sensitive and acknowledge this lived experience of, and this generational lived experience of black South Africans. It's definitely in a sensitive way developing um, discussions around these lived experiences and the acknowledgement of it. How important is the acknowledgement of that lived experience uh, from the, the perspective of, of, or rather from black people in acknowledging what some white people have lived and the fact that the belief systems that some carry, those who are racist, was in, 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 in gra- ingrained in them. It was taught. And there's a process of unlearning it as well. And it's a journey that we need to walk together. There's often been a critique uh, around this kind of discourse because it again requires black people to be mm. understanding and sometimes overly understanding and empathetic uh, towards the uh, what we assume is the, the perpetrator. And this becomes somewhat difficult to negotiate. We maybe need to take things to the next level because black people are sick and tired of having to be almost apologetic uh, for white people who are struggling with their past. For, for there to be understanding over the past couple of years, what we have not seen is an acknowledgement of what has existed in South Africa. How much of that contributes to the, the lack of move, movement, I suppose, um, on, on the issue of, of racism and, and tackling the prejudice that still exists in our country? I think acknowledging that the pain that black people suffered and suffered throughout their generations, throughout every single black person in South Africa uh, suffered this pain and to at last face up to it is of extreme urgency and very important. Mm. How do we can take those who are offended on a journey head on instead of switching off because it's uncomfortable? I do believe that education in schools could potentially be a very powerful way of starting those conversations very early on, as opposed to later on in life when many folks may have already uh, entrenched these ideas and and have difficulty shifting views and perceptions. People do feel, uh, white people maybe do feel that they're being uh, victimized and unnecessarily harassed by this issue of race and racism. Is there and where is the leadership when it comes to this debate? I wanted to draw on some uh, philosophical debates around leadership, and sometimes I do think that we overemphasize this idea of finding a leader or a messiah who's going to uh, take us from where we are to this wonderful utopia that we all want to ultimately reach. Uh, Plato uh, suggests that the, the question around leadership is who among us are the most suitable to lead, and he answers this question by suggesting that it's those with a particular sense of knowledge and understanding of our political dispensation who is able to lead. The creation of strong institutions, such as the Chapter 9 institutions, civil society organizations, and the media, 
who can hold our leaders accountable. It is not going to be, and it wasn't going to be, an easy question to answer of what is racism, and especially when it comes to a South African context. Many different points that you have both made that we need to ponder as we proceed with this uh, series. But thank you very much to uh, Minka Staitler, who is Head of Media and Public Affairs and Research at the South African Institute for Race Relations. K.M. Ahmed, a doctoral fellow uh, in International and Comparative Education at the Columbia University in New York. Thank you to you both.